Welcome to another fantabulous episode of the OST Party. This is a movie soundtrack podcast where movie fans and music fans get together and have a rocking good time talking about all your favorite movie soundtracks. My name is Joseph Wade. I'll be your host for this evening. Here with me tonight is my lovely and belligerent co-host, Libby Cudmore. Libby, what's shaking? Not much. It's been a bit. It has been. We've taken a, a, a long-needed uh, break from our OST party duties, but uh, I'm, I'm back. I'm glad to be back in the saddle. Too uh, talking about a movie that was, has been a long time coming for us. I think. Yes, we've been excited about this one for a while. We saved uh, saved the best for a time when we both really needed it. Absolutely. Uh, that's 1995's Tank Girl tonight. Yes. Uh, a movie, a soundtrack that when we first started this show, I went out and bought just a whole bunch of random movie soundtracks thinking someday we'll do these. And this was definitely one of those. So oh, yeah. it's been sitting on my shelf for years, waiting for that perfect moment for us to break it out and crack into it. And I'm so excited tonight. Yes. Yes, indeed. Oh, man. Uh, before we get into Tank Girl, though, I want to briefly touch on the poll from our last episode, our listener poll, where we asked you lovely people. Uh, what you thought the best song off of the Encino Man soundtrack was. And I'll just cut right to the chase. Uh, 71.5% of y'all said that the Smithereens cover of Wooly Bully is the best song on that soundtrack. And you're not wrong. Uh, I don't know. I just, I felt like that was kind of an easy one. It, it was kind of a layup, but then like, look at the competition. Yeah, I guess like, you're right. Did we even have to do a poll? Probably not. <laughs> I know. I just, I, I wanted to see a little more love for Treaty. Treaty was good, yeah. Like a weird one. Yeah. And I mean, and speaking of Encino Man, uh, I just watched Son-in-Law for the first time last night. How was it? I enjoyed it thoroughly, despite everything. <laughs> but also, the soundtrack is a lot better than the Encino Man soundtrack, so I may have to insist we do that sometime. Okay. A more of the wheeze? All right. It sounds good to me. So I've definitely been saying wheeze the juice a lot. <laughs> that has really entered my vocabulary much to everyone's dismay. <laughs> but I think I think the whole Polly Short thing just bounced off me linguistically because I cannot for the life of me get into that like groove of talk, <laughs> like, like, weasel talk. <laughs> it's probably for the best of everyone around you. Yeah. Like I'm I'm annoying enough already. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so, Libby, tell us a little bit about Tank Girl. All right. Well, Tank Girl, of course, comes from the comic series by Jamie Hewlett and Alan Martin. Uh, Hewlett, of course, went on to create the Gorillas. Yes. Which didn't surprise me. It took me a little bit to make that connection. But then I was like, oh, duh, of course, the art is the same. I'm. Mm -hmm. um, now, this one does not follow any particular comic. Um, this was directed by Rachel Talalay. Mm -hmm. And um, she worked with them to make the film, So, but it didn't come from any direct comic adaptation. So it's a completely new Tank Girl story, which follows uh, our titular Tank Girl as she and a band of kangaroo human hybrids fight off water and power who've been seizing all of the water uh, under the land mm -hmm. in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. 
I think the best elevator pitch I can think of for this is this is MTV's Mad Max. Yes. Actually, that is far better than anything I could have said. (laughs) Hold on. While I enjoy a a frosty glass of water real quick. Hold on. (sighs) That's lovely. Delicious. Delicious. Um, It definitely. Water. I was very conscientious throughout this whole film because I watched it on Tubi. So anytime mm. there was a commercial break, I went and got a drink of water. Oh, okay. I was very conscientious of my hydration throughout this film. It, it's, a, it's a film that makes you think, doesn't it? Makes you think and makes you drink. Makes you drink. <laughs> Certain people, I'm sure it drove to drinking because this is the... Uh, the, the other descriptor for this that's most appropriate is, is batshit crazy. It is a bonkers film. And it's from an era that we've touched on a couple times in this early nineties that had these really kind of daring bonkers films. This, it very much exists in this sort of vein as cool world. Yeah, definitely. And Super Mario brothers. I, you know, I can see that. I mean, they, as um, toad sings, like they've got no water, they've got no resources. Mm-hmm. So there's the, the post-apocalyptic, vibe was on all of our minds in the early 90s i think probably the um the people at nestle saw this and was like hey that's a good idea we should steal all the water (laughs) it's a great idea and courtney love actually produced this soundtrack still billed at this point as courtney love cobain this film came out uh about a year after kurt died yeah and as i understand it she was actually supposed to be in the film as jet girl at makes sense although i don't know if that's totally in her wheelhouse well according to her it's it was cobain's death that made her kind of pull back from the film and only produce the music but uh i I mean on the one hand i get it on the other hand uh, i kind of would rather have naomi watts in this film if i'm being honest nebish isn't courtney's strength as an actress right i love her in man on the moon i love i mean i love courtney Mm -hmm. forever she's my goddess She's insane. It's it, she, her, 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 her entire persona is just too brash. And you've already got Lori Petty doing her tank girl thing in this. You can't have two people doing that. She probably would have been great as sub girl. Maybe like it just small role, have her presence and her zaniness there. But yeah, she was, she was balancing a lot in uh, 1995. So. Yeah. Speaking of sub girl, you know, who was originally slated to play her? Oh, it was Bjork. Hell yeah. Like the original plan was they wanted Bjork to do it. And she said, basically just told him no. Oh, Bjork. But I'll write you a song. She was too busy uh, unburying that ba- that uh, bagel that was buried in the backyard. <laughs> just putting oranges in a circle. But yeah, kind of, a, again, bonkers premise. It goes in and out of animation. Mm-hmm. So we get some uh, some animation from the comics um a lot of weird costume changes kangaroo people designed by stan winston mm-hmm. oh yeah so th- like there was lots of talent behind the camera here and yes. uh, apparently the studio was was skittish about everything so as well they probably should have been but luckily it really has uh solidified itself as a cult classic oh definitely um, and I like that's honestly that is what I would have hoped for it. Like I don't yeah. want I don't know if if I want to live in a world where 
everybody loves Tank Girl because it like it gets sanitized. Like I like its zaniness. Like you you don't want Tank Girl to become like like a a, a Nirvana band T-shirt that like everybody wears. You know. Yeah. You don't want to see kids at the mall wearing Tank Girl shirts and having no clue what Tank Girl is. I want it to sort of be this secret language of people who read zines and are cool. Exactly. Now, um, I actually didn't know anything about Tank Girl. I, I knew it existed. I worked at a video store and I had an older sister. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know anything about it until I met Ian. And he had seen it a bunch of times and he actually has the soundtrack. Um, so that was my first exposure to to it um he had read all the comics so i read a, a handful of the comics um they're again a little surreal for me i tend to prefer linear storylines in my reading material right film doesn't matter but um i when i read i i really like a linear storyline um but like what's your sort of first exposure to Tank well Girl? so kind of like with encino man i remember seeing the ads for this in comic books as a kid like when I'm reading X-Men comics and stuff like that, and I'm seeing ads for Tank Girl, I'm like, what the hell is this? And of course, you know, I'm way too young for to be able to see this or even want to see this. But um, I remember like my internet friends and I, like me 10, 10 years or so ago, we would start up our, our movie nights where we'd all watch a movie at the same time online and talk about it. And this was definitely one of them. And this was eye-opening for me. Like I I knew nothing about it but the title and the and the cover. And God, I just loved it right away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never read any of the comics. Don't know much more about it beyond the, the film. But uh, yeah, I love this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely different. Um, it's, it's very different. They definitely tried to kind of shoehorn like a a hero's arc. Mm-hmm. A little in, bit, yeah. Into this where that does not exist in the comics. The comics are surreal and just complete anarchy. Um, But... There, there is a lot to love about this movie. Um, I went as Tank Girl one year for Halloween. Did you have like this. the rocket bra and everything? I had the rocket bra. I'll yes. post pictures. Um, it was a, it was a good costume because I could layer. Um, but yeah, I had the rocket bra over a tank top. I had the helmet, at the torn fishnets. Um, it was, it was a really, really fun costume. I won second place in a costume contest that year. Excellent. Yeah. So, so before we get into the soundtrack, uh, guess what? It's time for billboarding school. Tank Girl debuted on the Billboard 200 at number 100 on April 15th, 1995, Tax Day. Uh, The number one album that week was Tupac Shakur's Me Against the World. The top soundtrack at number two was The Lion King. Mind you, this was April of 95. The Lion King came out in uh, April of uh, 94 and immediately went to number one. So The Lion King was huge for a long time, folks. It really, really was. And also, I want to point out, at, at this exact moment on the charts, mid-April, there were three separate Lion King albums on the, the Billboard charts. There was the main album. There was the Lion King sing-along album, which I don't really know how that works. Then the third album was called Rhythm of the Pride Lands, music inspired by the Lion King. I, I remember that. Yeah. Okay. Kind of like pure moods, but but Lion King, I guess. Pure moods, but for children? Yeah. Okay. Disney moods? I don't know. 
Okay. But um, this is not all about Lion King. Tank Girl <laughs> lasted 10 weeks on the charts, fell off the charts in June when the number one album was Pink Floyd's live album Pulse. And the top soundtrack was uh, the soundtrack to Disney's Pocahontas. Oh, at number boy. three. So this is this this is not just the year after Lion King, but this is also the year of Pocahontas. So year where it all fell apart. Pretty much. Yeah. Yikes. The wheels Yikes started to come off the bus. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Tank Girl it, it was it was often said at the time the sound the soundtrack was more popular than the film. Because the film, I think, made uh roughly Six million dollars on a twenty-five million budget. Mm-hmm. Big old flop in nineteen ninety-five. So the film was R-rated. Yes, but yes. the soundtrack had a little bit more of an accessibility to it. Hmm. Um. And so I could see where people who might not either be into the film or have access to the film, um, uh, would enjoy the soundtrack. Yeah, that's definitely true. Like, it's more in touch with kind of what's going on in the music world at the time, as we'll we'll see going forward here. Yeah. Definitely, you know, a lot of MTV, and uh, they had the uh, Army of Me single before it was released as a single. Yes. So you, you, a lot of them, I suspect, were picking that up for Army of Me, which was starting to to gain some traction. Right. That's probably uh, that probably played a big part of it too. Yes. Um, also, um, it's the only place to get uh, this one particular whole track. It's a cool album. Yeah, there, there's a couple of really good covers that we, we're going to talk about here in a little bit. And, uh, well, why don't we just jump straight into the film? Uh, the very first thing, very first sound we hear is Devo's Girl You Want. But this is a re-recorded version of the song uh, that plays out over the opening credits. Yes, let's go to a clip. Now, this version includes uh, Jewel Bell of Bulimia Bandits. Oh, wow. Okay. Singing the, the female vocals. This the original version of this song appeared on their album Freedom of Choice, mm-hmm. which is the one with Whip It. Mark Mothersbaugh's voice is a little bit higher. Um, he's still doing the kind of robotic thing um, in the version that we hear over the opening credits. But that's not the version that's on the soundtrack. It's a different version. The version that's on the soundtrack, which I had heard somewhere and I can't verify this, but that is rumored to be a cover of Soundgarden's version of Girl yes. You Want. Yes, that's what I've heard. So it's a little more polished to that 90s radio rock sound. It's yeah. ever so slightly down-tempo. It's a little less manic, but um, it's more blended. Um, Mark Mothersbaugh's vocals like aren't as harsh. They're not yeah. as, as robotic. Um, everything's, it, it's got more of a 90s radio sound. Yeah, the guitars are more distorted, and uh, it, it's it's... I think they re- just re-recorded it to be more in line with like the, the current scene. Uh, and it's there's it, there's a little bit more deliberateness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah. sharper. So uh, yeah, and having having listened to both versions, I gotta say I like this one better. Yeah, I this is my preferred version. Also, the, comparing the two Devo versions with the Soundgarden version, still like this one better. 
The Soundgarden version is great until Chris Cornell starts singing. It's okay. It's a little too, like, my, my problem I'm realizing with Soundgarden now is a lot of their songs are just too sluggish. Yeah, I can hear that. Um, this one, I think I, I like what they do with the melody, but like Chris Cornell feels like he's like half a beat behind on everything. Yeah. It's like they put vocals from a completely different song on top of it. Like some sort of weird mismatched puzzle karaoke. Yeah, almost like he doesn't even want to be singing someone else's song. Yeah, so, you know? I mean, R.I.P. Chris Cornell, obviously, no Absolutely. disrespect to the man, but, um, yeah, no one can do it like Devo, although Devo others can, have tried. Devo can do it like you, but no one can do it like Devo. <laughs> and this is Devo's uh, third appearance. Yeah, we had them on, the on um, uh, Nine and a Half Weeks, and what was the other one? They were on Heavy Metal. Oh, that's right, Yeah. Which would also go in a really good, like, triple feature with this. I would probably pick Heavy Metal to go with this one personally. That's perfect. But this is their first time doing one of their own songs. And even still, it's a cover. The cover of their own songs. songs. (laughs) They can't catch a break, these guys. Oh, Devo. God bless you, Mark Mothers. Oh, boy. (laughs) But from here, in a voiceover narrative... Tank Girl lets us know what's up. There's no celebrities. There's no water. And really, just things suck. There's been some sort of catastrophic event. A comet has struck the Earth and has caused it to stop raining. So, of course, a company has swooped in to monopolize the ent- like the world's water supply. And that's where our villain, Malcolm McDowell, comes in. Yes, and Jeff Bezos is like, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> Yeah. And we we see how villainous he is because he murders one of his own men with a device that saps his blood and then turns it into water. And then he just drinks the water. That seems unsanitary. I mean, that just seems um, gross. Unless it boils it too, which like, that's just overkill. Oh, I think I'll just not drink blood water. Mm. No, thank you. It's but, a whole subculture on Twitter of people going, I want to drink the forbidden water. Yeah, I'll drink the blood water. There's probably like some chinless, roided out shit bag who is like, drinking blood water is good for your testicles. I've never been laid. Preserving oh, my blue, essence. The blue check marks love the blood water. Exactly. <laughs> so. You drink the blood water, weigh in at, at ostpartypod at gmail.com. Let us know. Let us know if you would drink blood water. <laughs> Have you ever tried liquid death? One time. It's dumb, right? I felt so stupid. Yeah. But that, like, honestly, liquid death is, they kind of are pulling this off. Because when you're at a concert and there's no water... The only thing you can drink is liquid death. Liquid death looked at what Malcolm McDowell did in Tank Girl and thought, we're going to do that. I felt so stupid drinking liquid death because, like, here I am already drinking seltzer water. I don't mind it. I don't care personally. But somebody out there made the calculation that men don't drink seltzer water. So they had to invent a seltzer water for men. Yeah, and to, like, drink, like, at metal shows, I guess. It's like, real water's for pussies. Yeah, this is just a can of rocks. I'm going to drink the rocks. Yeah, I um, I got some at a Steely Dan show, and when my friend brought it back, so I was like, I just 
want water. I don't really want to drink. And um, he brought back the liquid death. I'm like, is this hard seltzer? And he said, no, this is actually really just water. And I <laughs> like cracked it open, fully preparing for it to be hard seltzer and therefore disgusting. And it was just water. It was $6 blood water. <laughs> so you did it. You maniacs finally fucking did it. You found a way to ruin water. Yeah, good job, Malcolm McDowell's of the world. Congratulations. You don't even have the decency to be Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, like what the fuck is wrong with you? That Liquid Death sponsor, are we? <laughs> no. <laughs> OSD party, not sponsored by Liquid Death. Yo, LaCroix, hit us up. <laughs> Get on here and pronounce it LaCroix. <laughs> That's what French people wear on their feet. I'll be here all evening. The things uh, people wear on their feet. Yeah. Tank Girl finds a pair of boots from a Water and Power employee who was killed by what she tells us are the Rippers. Mm-hmm. Um, and she takes them back to her boyfriend, where they're all living in a punk house and stealing water. Good for them. Yeah, good for them. Living off the grid. Yeah. They're raising plants. They got like a nice little family there. He's wearing a shirt that's cut like a spider web. The costumes in this are chaotic and beautiful. Oh, yeah. Like, I know we talk about movies that look like the 90s, but this really does just solidify it. But in, like, the best way, like, there's a part of me that wishes I could dress like Tank Girl every day. And her costumes change inexplicably. Like, we're in a desert wasteland, and somehow she has, like, fishnet stockings and clean bras and... Just always manages to find incredible clothing. And I love that because it, it's not explained. No, it, that's a superpower on its own. Yeah. And it's great. And that's how it is in the comic. Like her hair will change like from panel to panel. Yeah. But it's here where we get our next song. This is uh, Thief by the band Belly. Yes. Let's go to a clip. Belly making their second appearance on the OST party after uh, appearing in the Twister soundtrack. That's where I knew it was. I knew we had heard them someplace else, but the only thing I could think of was Dumb and Dumber, and that's Echo Belly. Right, right. So, um, welcome back. This we have a, a couple of repeat offenders mm-hmm. on this one. Well, we're hanging around in the '90s, uh, picking up some people who seem to sort of make a uh, habit of doing soundtracks. Yeah, certain, really kind of making their bread and butter. Certain bands really did pick up on that, and certain other ones just didn't. So, I, I mean, I'm glad to have have uh, Belly back here. I, I enjoy this one. Yeah, and it definitely it laid down that sort of gentler vibe mm-hmm. that the soundtrack needed. Um, big Nancy Griffith or kind of Lucinda Williams sounds on this one. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of gets bigger at the halfway mark. Um, and this is played during a scene where she forces her boyfriend to take off his clothes at gunpoint. Yeah, it's uh, it's very silly, but it's also kind of sweet. Because he's also into it. Um, this, yeah, this is a thing that they do. Yeah. Um, but I I did like this one. There's a couple slow songs on this soundtrack. I think. This is probably the one that stayed with me the longest. 
Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, because it kind of it just was kind of lonely, and I really like that, especially given what's going to happen in a few scenes. Like it just kind of makes it hurt that much more. Right. Yeah. Like it's it, you get your moment of uh, moment of bliss before everything goes to hell, basically. Mm-hmm. Because they're yep. about to really go to hell. Oh, definitely. So we also meet very briefly. Um, we meet the character Sam. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, who is a little girl that lives in the punk house? Yeah, it's not explicitly. It's, it's not said that it's uh, it's Tank Girl's daughter, but uh, that's kind of the relationship they have. Yeah, she kind of um, protects her, kind of watches yeah. out for her. Let me find that actress's name. Sam is played by Stacy Lynn Ramsauer, who mm-hmm. um, was also in the Babysitters Club, a couple other movies, and then retired from acting. Oh, okay. Um, she's she's good in this, although she doesn't have a whole lot of uh, screen time. Mm-hmm. But what what she does is pretty great. Yeah, she's cute. Um, I don't have a lot of notes for this song to be honest, because uh, it it does kind of play sort of its background noise almost, and the I feel like the film needs that background noise because so much of it is like in your face and aggressive, and then you you kind of need those quiet moments. So yeah, glad it's I'm definitely glad it's here. Yes, it, it sort of stands out more on the soundtrack than it does in the movie. Yes, absolutely. Like you could honestly miss it in the movie. But it will make you stop and listen through on the soundtrack. There are a couple skips on the soundtrack as as we'll get to. Yeah, but um, this is this is a keep playing. Let's play through. Uh, speaking of skips, you want to go to our next song? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, later that night, Tank Girl is out on on her evening guard duty, watching out for uh, WP goons and whatnot. And the next song on our soundtrack is playing. This is Bush. This is the song called Bomb. I wanted this to end as soon as it started. I'm sorry. Oh my God. I've never been a fan of Bush. I just can't do that, like, deeply down-tempo, sad, dirty boy rock. I can't. Mm. Like, and I guess the more I thought about this one, the more kind of annoyed it made me because it's such a, like, deeply feminist soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And I feel like these guys are just kind of crashing in, like, well, actually, why don't why is it their place in the soundtrack for men? When's it International Bush Day? <laughs> just lands like a kangaroo turd. <laughs> yeah. And the, what kills me is like this song is just such a such a wet blanket when when, downer. when there are so many great songs that aren't on the soundtrack that like could have been here. But we, yeah, wait. So we heard Blank Generation a few minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, isn't yeah. actually on the soundtrack. There's there's a whole ton of songs that aren't on the soundtrack that should be, and like we're taking up space for Bush, or we're yeah. losing, we're giving up space for Bush. Fuck off with that. Yeah, uh, no, and it's that is an incredibly 1994, 95 move to make. Mm-hmm. Courtney Love, what were you thinking, girl? Uh, but yeah, this this Bush song is just a, a wet fart. I don't like it at all. Yeah, Let's no, move this on. is this is a mess. Um, but unfortunately. Uh, the bad vibes persist even outside of the soundtrack and back mm-hmm. into the film because uh, Water and Power has found the house. 
They kidnap Sam and they kill everyone. Oh my God, this is rough. This is like, it's genuinely upsetting. Yeah. Because especially you like, you sort of realize like she failed in her duties. Mm -hmm. And it never, the film doesn't address that, which in a weird way I kind of like. Um, because I feel like if we remade this today, there would be like the whole thing would be about her guilt. Or at the very least, like everybody else around her telling her how much she sucks. Don't need a deep personal tank girl story. And that that has always been the nature of the comics. Right. And so I don't want that to carry into the film. Like I, I don't need a tank girl origin story i don't need her to be sad girl um margot robbie does have the rights to make tank girl and i don't want her to she's the only person who could step into laurie petty's boots yeah i guess but i don't want her to because i don't want like a deep exploration of tank girl tank girl is the embodiment of chaos the only way i think tank girl could work honestly is a 10 minute cartoon yeah i mean it's it's like I'm gonna say it again, it's it's an MTV ass thing because like you could have done this on uh, Liquid Television easily back in the yes. day, and it would have fit in perfectly. Yeah, but that or, that space just doesn't exist anymore. Like there's no room. F- I hate to say there's no room for, it, but it's true. There's no room for a thing like this anymore. Yeah, it it would have done well on Adult Swim kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, in that ten minute block, FX might be able to pick it up, but they couldn't keep poorly drawn lines, so. Um, no, but no I mean, they gotta keep making room for fucking new seasons of Archer well Archer is uh, heading into its last season so maybe we'll get a Tank Girl cartoon instead thank god you know I I don't want to I don't want to bag on Archer too much because like the first few seasons are great but like they just did not know when to quit they needed to stop that so long ago Ugh. whatever like, Archer <laughs> jumped the shark really hard but we could bring H. John Benjamin in to voice um, Booga that would be great actually just get the cast of Bob's Burgers to be the Rippers. It would be perfect. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Um, but, yeah, I think the only way Tank Girl can work is in that surreal space that something like regular show yeah, occupies. That's true. That's It's got the same kind of spirit. Yeah, it's the same energy of nothing matters episode to episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And things can shift. Um the only way I think we can translate Tank Girl to the screen. Because even this film tries to wedge too much story into Tank Girl. Yeah, and that's the crazy thing. It's like, there's not that much story here, but what's there is like very blatant and abrupt. And like, we have to, we have to figure out the mission and do the thing to save the people. It's like, Yes. And that's I just want to watch her drive the tank, guys. Yeah, that's all <laughs> fine. Um, but it's the weakest part of the film, which has so much good scenery and so many great lines, non sequiturs, incredible costuming, incredible set design. Mm-hmm. All of that is so much fun. The plot is merely a vehicle to move us from Set piece to set piece. Right. Like it the plot really doesn't matter. It literally could have just been Lori Petty driving a tank for 90 minutes, and I would have loved it. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it could have been Lori Petty doing literally anything for 90 minutes, and I would have loved it. Just to Lori Petty. Um, yeah, just like rocking out to Bjork, uh, saying weird shit, 
and wearing increasingly insane outfits. Mm-hmm. And then like, yeah, this is the best movie ever made. Absolutely. Um, you know, it has a plot because it has to. Uh, but I'm glad that they don't let the plot get in the way of the tank girl spirit. Right. Because it really does keep to that spirit. And, and another thing that I wanted to mention earlier was that, like, as far as her character goes, like, it, I'm glad that nobody else in the film comments or acknowledges how strange she is, how just in your face, how just kind of petulant and weird she is. Like, no, it, everybody just rolls with it. But you're right. Like, if they remade it today, everybody would talk about how fucking weird and, and goofy and wacky she is. And it's just we don't need that. Everybody would just ruin it. It would ruin it. It would ruin the magic t- if you cut. It's like. <laughs> It's like a it's like a wandering spirit. The moment you look at it directly, it's gone. Yes. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. We just we don't need serious tank girl. What no. we what we have of tank girl, honestly, is enough. Yeah. We we so. don't need the 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 six season AMC uh prestige drama tank girl. Bob Odenkirk is tank girl. Okay, well here okay, let me let, let me, me think about that. Let me backtrack my good idea. Hang on a second. I mean, so much so that, like, we're not even talking about the plot of this movie because we don't care. Yeah, you all know the plot. She has to stop water and power. Yeah, exactly. And restore uh, water to the people. Yeah, MTV's Mad Max. Um, yeah. Like, she's been arrested. She's she's in the, the water and power uh, water mines now, and uh, everything's going to hell. And the next song on our soundtrack's playing. It's it's whole. It's drowned soda. Let's go to a clip. This is very, like, live through this mm-hmm. era whole. We're just ahead of the release of Celebrity Skin, which has a much different sound. Um, and this is, I feel like this song is a really good bridge between them mm-hmm. because she's clearly super pissed. Again, she's just lost her husband. Everyone is blaming her for it. Um, I think she probably feels like she's got a lot in common with Tank Girl. Um, and you just really hear the pain in her voice, just yeah. how rough the last few years with Kurt have been, how hard they have been for her, both of their addictions uh, getting worse. And she's so unapologetically Courtney mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in this song. And I love that. Um, I love her forever. I know she is insane and terrible, but I just, she will always have my heart because she's just, Courtney. She's never been anybody but Courtney. Right. So I'm like of all the downer songs on the soundtrack, this is the one that like hit me the hardest. You really feel what she's going through, what Tank Girl's going through. Like this song lands, and especially when you think about the era in which it lands and what is going through this woman's head. Mm As she's writing this, she's like, Jesus Christ, how are you still, how are you holding this together? Yeah. Uh, and I, in a, a larger sense, like this song is like the sound of grunge music dying. Yeah. It's like the dying gasp of, like, of a whole genre of music because like the rest of the songs on the soundtrack and in the film are are very like explicitly like, I don't want to say post grunge because that sounds like a douchey thing to say, but it's, it's outside of that kind of genre. That genre is dead. 
Yeah. It died a year ago. Um, but yeah, actually, that's a really good way to put it, that it is kind of the, the death of it. Um, and I'm not sure what she has against Minnesota. <laughs> but maybe we can check in with Minnesota's own Paul Westerberg in a few tracks. Yeah, maybe he can explain that one to us. We also, we meet Jet Girl. Yeah. Who is uh, a very nebbish Naomi Watts. I think this was her first feature film. Okay. Or, or first, or if not first, like one of. Yeah, very early. Um, if you had told me that was Naomi Watts, I would not have. I would not have believed you. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's strange. <laughs> Does not. I always because I always think of her as again blonde bombshell. Like yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, not looking like Victoria Beckham in orphan cosplay. Mm. <laughs> but she's getting sexually harassed. Um, by Sergeant Small. Oh, he has a name. Great. <laughs> yes. Um, and Tank Girl comes to her rescue by um, kissing her. And we stand a bisexual icon, even if it's a little bit like, hey, did she consent to that? Maybe not, but you know what? Lesser two evils. Yeah, exactly. Like, she's coming to your... She's, she's got your back. So remember, ladies, um, if you see somebody sexually harassing someone... Stand in between. Start a conversation with her. Like, don't just be a bystander. Go up and pretend that's your best friend. But that's our PSA. One thing I did read uh, in the background of this film is that, you know, Lori Petty still thinks that this is one of her favorite movie roles ever. She should. And and Malcolm McDowell, like, had nothing but great things to say about it. He had a a blast making this movie. Naomi Watts is apparently very ashamed of this movie. shouldn't be well you know what i'm gonna take that back because she spends the whole film whining so it's not a great role for her Uh, yeah i mean i guess i guess when she becomes like prestige actress naomi watts like you don't really want to talk about tank girl anymore yeah but it's just like no this is a great this is a great film this film is like it's a you know way like feminist and lgbtq plus like we put this on our pedestal. It's beautiful. Um, this is a great film. It is. It's it's wholly unique in so yes. many different great ways. Yes, and Naomi Watts should embrace it. Right. You know what? Um, I know we've mentioned Super Mario Brothers a couple times, but John Leguizamo has said that he's come around to Super Mario Brothers because he sees how much it means to other people. Mm-hmm. And... He loves that. He's like, I'm so glad that I made a film that people care about and yeah, are passionate I mean, about. Yeah, and and so much so that like he's genuinely offended at the new Super Mario Brothers for not being as inclusive as his was. Exactly. They should have cast him as Luigi. Yeah. Um, it would have been a great throwback. Um, it would have just been, again, a great marketing tool. Absolutely so, and, it would have been, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, for the new kids, he's, you know, Bruno. Like, it's not like he hasn't done voice work. It's like, yeah, oh, that's, that's the guy true. from Ice Age and Encanto. Like, yeah, it would, well, have like been, would have been a great get for them. Yeah, like what? The kids don't care about Charlie Day. I'll tell you that right now. They don't the watch Always Sunny. Yeah, well, the parents, maybe. But the parents also know who John Leguizamo is. Yeah, they should have. That was, that was a foolish choice not to cast him. It was a foolish choice to make the stupid fucking movie. Yeah. Um, I know it made a billion dollars and everybody loves it, but... It was playing at the drive-in this weekend with Fast X. And they're the same movie. <laughs> and I was Tell just me like, I'm wrong. No. 
And I'll go see anything at the drive-in, but I was just like, I will not go see that. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard no. That's a that's a four-hour evening, and three of those hours you won't get back. And I'm just like, in this household, Bob Hoskins is our Mario, and John Leguizamo is our Luigi. We make exceptions, of course, for Captain Lou Albano. Fair enough. But Bob Hoskins is our Mario, whether he likes it or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm... Um, that's right, but, damn it. <laughs> but we um we do actually have another song. We'll get back to John Leguizamo. He's gonna come up again. Um, but we do have another song as uh as we go through this montage of her uh working for water and power. That's right. Uh as as she's making her way to the showers after a hard day's work, she you know pulls the lever and we get a dirt shower, which is that's the, that's the sign of the times right there. And we hear uh, the song Roads by the band Portishead. Portishead? I never knew how to pronounce this. Right into us at OST Party. I think it's Portishead. Fair enough. So let's go to a clip. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this is Libby's favorite song on the soundtrack. You're wrong. Ugh, okay. This one, I could never get into trip hop. But I think it's it's really neat because when you think about everything that we've talked about with soundtracks, as especially 90s soundtracks, as this sort of smorgasbord of everything that is going on in music. I think the inclusion of this is very telling. Um, okay. It's definitely, again, of that MTV um, listener. The kind of person who's going to go see Tank Girl is probably an active MTV watcher and someone who listens to a wide variety of music that you would hear on independent or college radio alternative radio so you're not just getting this sort of basic mainstream this isn't the wayne's world soundtrack what, what you're saying is the person who's gonna go see tank girl knows exactly how to pronounce portis head exactly and this soundtrack is so like weird and diverse and i like that as a whole even if this one doesn't land for me but um melody maker called these guys music noir for a film not yet made which makes sense Sonically, I'm not sure it fits here in this scene, but I respect the inclusion of it for creating a sort of wide musical landscape. And I, I film think, to and I think that's probably why I I assumed this might be your favorite because it's so outside of the the rest of the sonic palette of the soundtrack, and I'm I'm happy to be wrong, honestly. <laughs> But because because I I didn't really know what to make of this one either. I I kind of like the the low key energy of it, but um, it's not my kind of music. Yeah, like I'm not honest. gonna pick this one out to listen to, but I'm not gonna skip over it. Um, you actually missed my favorite. Did I, we already go past it? Damn, we did. Tank girl, of course, she escapes. Um, there's it. She doesn't fully escape. Uh, she meets the Jack girl again. Um. And they are caught 
Jet Girl loses her flying privileges, which she's not real happy about. See, she's very much like, don't get caught. Don't step outside the line. She's given up. Tank Girl has it. But Tank Girl gets put in the pipe. The pipe. I think she even makes us a reference to this. This is like a Willy Wonka contraption. <laughs> um, where they put you in a bag and drop you in and it gets narrower the further down you go. Yeah, that's, oh my God, this is my nightmare. Like, I'm not exactly claustrophobic, but this would make me claustrophobic. It's, you know what it is? Um, It's the idea that you're tilted down, like your your legs are above your head. Yeah, you're tilted down and you're stuck. Like the lying flat and being stuck doesn't bother me as much, but being stuck tilted down i think would freak me out like as the blood rushes to your head right yeah that's that's where i get uncomfortable but the um the rippers we find out have taken a wp outpost and they think that tank girl is the only one that can find their what do they call it their sub the sub gate the sub gate not i had sub portal but the sub gate and they send her in the rippers of course attack and kill everyone except right. for uh, Jet Girl, who sees it from above, and Tank Girl. And and Jet Girl go- rescues her, and uh, <laughs> the, the, the great exchange where she says, all right, let's go get you a tank, and, and Tank Girl just looks at her and goes, are you sure? <laughs> it's like, you know what's coming. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, And we, uh, Kiesley has his arm ripped off. Yes, like the Ripper, one of the Rippers rips his arm off, yeah. Oh, boy. But um, she gets her tank, and we get our next song. Yes, this is the song Shove by the band L7. Uh, shared a drummer with Belly. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yep. Okay, let's go to a clip. This one goes so hard. This is much more my speed. I'm into this one. Yes. It's, this is, I feel like if you could really like distill the essence of Tank Girl, Mm -hmm. it is this song. Like this song is the whole film. It really is. Yeah. All all the, all the way, like the wailing and screaming in this song, but it's not like the existential, like Courtney Love kind of screaming. Yeah. It's it's much more just like the Riot Girl kind of like just the fuck you energy. Yes, um, I love it. These guys, these gals, I guess, uh, they are incredible badasses. Mm-hmm. They would raise money for abortion clinics. At one point, uh, people started throwing mud at them uh, during a set. And so uh, the lead singer threw her used tampon I, into yeah, them. I heard and about like, that. That is badass. That's amazing. That's gross, but also <laughs> that's just like punk as hell. Um. This one, if I'm breaking it down, it's a little sludgy, which is the point. Like, they're still bringing a lot of, like, heavy metal. Yeah, a lot uh, of riffs, a lot of, yeah. like, just grinding guitars. Yeah. Yeah, like, they're bringing very, like, Lita Ford kind of energy to it. I know I use that word a lot. Right. Um, I could see myself reaching for this on a bad day. Yeah. I definitely like this song a lot. I, I, would, I would definitely add this to my uh, angry workout mix. <laughs> do you work out angry a lot no but every <laughs> once in a while it's nice to to 
you know, just let it out. <laughs> I'm walking angrily on a treadmill. I walked to uh, the song from Ghostbusters too. <laughs> on our own? On our own, yeah. Perfect. That's that's a perfect workout song. It's great. So. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I'm just mad that Spotify took a lot of the Cool World soundtrack off. Because uh, oh, Play With Me is a great song to run to. Ooh, that would be a good one. Yeah. yeah. it's That's a really, really good song. Actually, um, we could honestly make like an OST party workout mix. <laughs> we should like do that. Bangers from OST party. We should both do that. Our, our <laughs> own separate workout mixes. Put it out Used. in the world. I got to say, when you're working out and you put on only the young... You feel like you can do anything. You're like, I could lift the moon. <laughs> well, getting back to uh, to Shove and L7, this this song uh, soundtracks uh, an animated sequence where our, our main character, we haven't actually said her name yet. Her name's Rebecca. But I have to put it this way because Rebecca becomes one with her tank and officially becomes Tank Girl. Yes. And I had read that this was one of several sequences in the film where they either didn't have the budget or just did not film the scenes, like the actual montages. So Jamie Hewlett had to animate them himself. It's great. I, I I love the effect. I love the look of it. But apparently he was like very angry that they made, they basically made him do that. Just unfortunate because it, it works so well with the film's already zany feel. Yeah. It's so much better than anything they could have actually photographed. And it, it connects it to the comic. It gives that a through line. Yeah, like so so many comic book films of this era, they try so hard to like be like a a, a real life version of the comic, or or a they try to take it as far away from the source as they can. But this really is like Tank Girl, the comic, the movie. Yeah, it it pays that homage. It's, it's about to as, its source material. It's rather about than as, yeah existing outside of it. Yeah, it's about as pure like a comic adaptation as you're going to get. Even though it's not based on any particular Tank Girl storyline, you know, we're still trying to make these comic book movies in the early aughts, and you wouldn't get that now. It would be too sanitized. It would be just like Deadpool above with boobies. Yeah, like they're not they're not even trying to adapt like the the weirdo indie shit anymore. It's all just like, oh, what Marvel character haven't we touched yet? Yeah. You know? Like they, they're not taking chances on anybody anymore. That's not already, you know, Batman or fucking Iron Man. Yeah, and it's just uh, like it's not it's not interesting anymore. Because like, yeah, we know we know all the cape shit. Like, what else do you got? They don't got anything else. <laughs> um, but again, this Tank Girl's too weird for anything. Yeah. Um, so I I don't I do not want another Tank Girl movie. Like, so we're clear. Just yeah, just so I, I just you know. don't do it. I know you like to wear short shorts, Margo, but, and we all love seeing you in short shorts. You're beautiful, but just leave Tank Girl alone. Lori uh, Petty did this. So the next scene I got, I got to bring up because James fucking Hong shows up. Oh, yes. As, as a, a wacko surgeon who's going to rebuild Malcolm McDowell's arm, or rather give him a replacement arm. <laughs> And then the very last bit of this scene, you just you just see them cut off his head, and you're like, "Wait, what just happened? Why did you do that?" <laughs> Don't worry, they'll explain it later. Explain it so much as just show you, and you'll be like, "What? 
they'll show you why they did that. But yeah, so he gives him a robot arm and then cuts off his head. I love this movie. Oh, it's just this movie just does not care. Like I had, I had completely forgotten that James Hong was even in the movie, and as soon as he did, I just lit up. Like I love seeing this guy show up and stuff. God bless him. Everything about this movie that is so striking, I had forgotten all of it. Yeah, right. Oh, which there's is so- kind of fun because it's like discovering it again. Yeah, there's there's too much here. Like you could watch this movie over and over again and notice different things every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> different yeah. things like I forgot this actor was in the movie. Mm. so and then uh the girls make their way to an abandoned amusement park where they meet up with sub girl who is played by ann cusack in exactly one scene yes and and she was also in a league of their own with laurie petty yeah that's right yeah is of course the sister of john and joan uh but she tells them where they can find uh tank girl's friend sam she has one of her toys Yes, she has. It's it's the Doris Day uh, figurine that that Sam was supposed to be carving, inexplicably. Uh, and so, yeah, we get another wild montage where we're on our way to this place called Liquid Silver, which apparently is a brothel where everybody wears lederhosen. Sure, why not? We sure we're in Tank Girl. Nothing should surprise you. No, yeah, like, like we're halfway through the film. <laughs> God, reminds me of the. Right. This is a, this is the dumbest thing I'll ever say. This scene, the tank girl reminds me of the charge of the light brigade. There's just not to reason why. There's just but to do and die. Like, don't ask questions. Yes. Don't um, ask questions. <laughs> the amusement park. Um, this, as we think about double bills that would go great with tank girl, mystery men. Ooh, yeah, another good, good call. Uh, indie comic amusement park. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Double bill. Yep. The the amusement park is called Wet and Wild, which I love because we have a Wet and Wild here in Greensboro. It's a it's a water park. Amazing. No roller coasters, but hey, it's a Wet and Wild. So we're in Liquid Silver now, and we get the next song on our soundtrack, which is Bjork's Army of Me. Should we go to a clip? Let's go to a clip. We have to. think of army of me as a stripper song but then we're in the tank girl universe you're like sure of course they're stripping to bjork why not why should anything be normal yeah why why not why anything (laughs) you're like okay it is very snake-like yeah got those dark static undertones okay and up by your g-string ladies yeah and really like what is tank girl but but if not an army of one you know yeah. Like that's that's that song is her to a T. Song I think works the best outside of Tank Girl. Yeah. Um and as we talked about it was um it was a single. It was the single was released and of course became a huge hit for Bjork. Um And I do know that when the movie bombed, Bjork decided not to add clips from the movie to the music video. Because uh, that was originally the plan. Yeah, um, and she was supposed to play Subgirl. Yeah, yeah. As, as you told us earlier. Um, but 
you know, this song about being like, quit complaining. We've all known people like that. Mm-hmm. This is like such a powerful song to listen to. Just like, quit bitching or I'm going to yell at you. <laughs> uh, I'm Also, Michael Gondry directed this video, which is a match made in art weirdo heaven. Oh, 100%. Yeah. This is like, this, okay. This video got a whole lot of play. Uh, in my film school circles for that exact reason. Oh, I'll bet. Uh, this video still gets a lot of play. It's uh, frequently on the Vivo 90s channel. That's where I first saw this video. Oh, nice. Um, and I was like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, oh, right. It's Army of Me, of course. Of course, the gorilla's taking a diamond out of her mouth. Sure. Yeah, of course. Sure, she's going to blow up an art museum. God Why? bless you, Bjork, you wonderful weirdo. <laughs> um. Bjork though is one of those like I like I mean I do like this song a lot um and I like it's oh so quiet but Bjork is someone that I like more in theory than in practice like I'm I'm never gonna sit down and listen to Bjork it's too weird I just don't love art pop like that I wish I did but I know who I am I'm I'm with you on this one like I like some of I like a lot of her 90s like singles like the vid- music video singles but once you get past that I'm just like uh... I don't know what to make of it, and I'd rather be anywhere else. Oh, cool. Like, I really genuinely love her and the way she thinks about music. And she's just so quirky and weird and delightful. Oh, yeah. Um, she comes with the whole the whole thing, like, sideways, and I appreciate that. It's just... It's not an act. Like, she genuinely is like that, um, which, in a world of fake weirdos, like, be a Bjork. <laughs> exactly. Um, but it's just it's just not... For me personally, which is that is my shortcoming. I wish I was the kind of person who really liked Bjork. Um, yeah, I mean, me too. Like, it's it's art. It's it's. I don't want to say this without sounding like a a philistine, but like it's it's art music for people smarter than me. Your music differently than I do. Yeah, Again, there like, it I'm is. In a much more structural person. Uh, that's just how my brain interprets music. Um, yeah. So Bjork just does not land for me. Like I, th- I think she fit in much better with like the '90s sort of alt music scene, and that's why the '90s songs kind of stick out more for me because like I, I can get on that wavelength a little bit better. <laughs> like Army of Me is 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 a perfect example of that. Mm. This is this is such a good song. It's <laughs> such a good song. So, I think about it all the time. Yeah, I love it. So then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Iggy Pop shows up. As Rat Face, he is a John looking for a schoolgirl, which turns out to be Sam. So Iggy Pop, how about you don't? <laughs> Welcome back, Iggy Pop, but ugh. Yes. <laughs> uh, we've seen you a couple times before. And actually, um, Iggy Pop was supposed to play at uh, Cruel World. Did you hear about this? No. He and Susie Sue were the headliners for the Cruel World Festival, and their sets got shut down because of lightning, so they had to reschedule for tonight. Oh, man. I know. It's Susie Sue's only U.S. show, which makes me so mad. I cannot even describe the rage I feel. So mad that she has to be here talking with me tonight, folks. Well, I wasn't. Sorry. I was not going to get out to Pasadena. That just wasn't going to happen. Oh, I know. I know. Um, but I'm just like, why aren't you playing Madison Square Garden? Why are you doing? It feels like a personal attack. Like, oh, you can go over to Belgium. Ooh, look at us. We're Belgians. We eat French fries in a little hat. <laughs> really, Belgium's fault. 
They got Susie Sue. And they I, do I, make really good fries. But. I just, I have to say, I love your ability to be salty about literally anything. <laughs> Uh, so then all of a sudden, inexplicably, out of nowhere, for some reason. Out of nowhere. I don't think we can emphasize how out of nowhere this comes. It's out of nowhere even for Tank Girl. There's a whole ass, like, musical number. Yeah, she makes the madam sing, uh, let's do it, let's fall in love by Cole Porter. Let's go to a clip. Let's play a clip of that, yeah. Yes. They say that upper crust ladies do it. When a gentleman struts, come on, doll, why do we do it? Don't you have the guts? Penguins and flops on the rocks do it. Even little cuckoos and they come do it. Let's do it. Let's come. Now, of course, because we're not allowed to have anything nice in this world, this, this musical number was originally much longer. Yeah, oh and the God. studio said you have to cut that shit. <laughs> you could tell the director's just like, ha, we're gonna put a musical number in there. Let's just go crazy. Let's go absolutely bonkers. I have to ask, so you have the Blu-ray. Yes. Um, is is the full version of this on there? Uh I don't believe it is, no. Um, are there I any like cool so. features? Not really. It's it's kind of standard for like your your typical Blu-ray these days. You got, you know, interviews with the actors and commentary, and that's about it. There's, oh, that's so lame. They really skimp on like the features nowadays, and that sucks. Oh, that blows. Because like that's, I mean, that's like five dollar DVD level. Like if you're buying Blu-ray, we want more. You yeah, especially from like Shout Factory, which like that's their whole deal is they get like all the special features they can. Not for this one, they didn't. And like I know a lot of this footage is out there. Like it still exists. I don't think they destroyed any of it. Has to be, so. Especially, you know, there's a scene coming up that we'll definitely talk about. Like, it exists in the world. I know it does. <laughs> but, yeah, this musical number is wonderful. And it, it, it even it comes in an era in the mid-90s when it was a lot more inexplicable than it would be now. Like, most movies nowadays, like, they'll throw a musical number in. Who cares? But in the mid-90s, in, like, a weird alt-comic book movie... You don't do that. And they just have a Cole Porter tune for no reason. Yeah, exactly. It's like just... in the middle of like, you've just rescued a child from sex trafficking. And you're like, let's sing Cole Porter. Uh, let's have. <laughs> let's. Yeah. After, after saving a child from being molested, let's sing a song about doing it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's insane. It's just, it's a truly bonkers sequence. And it's, I don't know if it's my favorite sequence in the film, but it's the one I've been thinking the most about. It comes the close, closest, yeah. Had um, Lori Petty's version. Because it's, it's really fun. Tank Girl the Musical. Yeah, she knocks it out of the park. Ooh, let's do it. Let's do that. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Let's, let's make Tank Girl the Musical. You, you beat me to it. <laughs> Wonderful. Smoke Bomb ruins their fun and Sam is once again. Mm-hmm. But of course, uh, this is all a ruse. They're letting her do this musical number because guess what? The WP goons show up and abduct Sam again. Dag, yo. Uh, and almost immediately, Tank Girl and Jet Girl stumble into uh, a Ripper Sand Trap into their secret lair, which is apparently an underground bowling alley. I yes, love it. They're, they're kept in a pit filled with bowling balls. Mm-hmm. Which really is like torture, honestly. Yeah. Um, I couldn't quite tell they were bowling balls at first. 
Um, because they just looked like the round rubber balls. Yeah. And the other day, Ian picked up one of those like textured rubber kickball, mm-hmm. and he slapped his hand against it, and I like flinched. <laughs> that like, sound. That yeah. sound, and just imagining that hitting like i could still feel that hitting me right in the chest you're 10 years not old be- and you're you're yeah. suddenly out at dodgeball again yes uh, i just want to make it clear not because ian threw it at me uh but it just brought back memories of being 10 years old and having that hit my little prepubescent chest probably <laughs> cracking every bone in my body i note here that the rippers while being um Designed, of course, by Stan Winston. Look incredibly silly. They're kangaroo people. There's they're... no way they're going to look dignified. Right. And, like, their their tragic backstory, which they explain to us, makes not a lick of sense. Because, like, when the government wants to create the perfect soldier, they splice together the DNA of humans and kangaroos. What did you think was going to happen? Well, they originally tried to splice a Swiss chalk with cheese and a beard. <laughs> Um, among the rippers is uh, Ice T. Yes, Ice T back again. Yes, this this our... time on screen. I don't think we've ever actually seen him on screen in a film he before. Not because he did not appear in Dick Tracy. He was merely on the soundtrack. Doug Jones is also in there. Yep, and also uh, Reg E. Kathy, who is a great character actor. I don't know if we've had him on the sh- on. We've of course he's never been on the show, but uh, I don't think we've ever been in a film that we've covered. No, we. But he's great, and if we ever get around to doing Airheads, he will return. Yeah, so put Airheads on streaming. Um, He was, uh, I of course know him. Oh, you know what? I take that back. He did appear in one of our films. What's that? He plays Freeze uh, uh, in The Mask. Oh, that's right. Yes. Awesome. Um, But uh, I know him best from Oz. Mm, Yeah. Okay. Great thing to know someone from. Not really. It's just like, oh, that's fucking bleak. Um, but, you know, of course, he's also on The Wire. Um, he did appear on Law & Order Special Victims Unit, so we get to hang out with Ice-T again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he, he's a recurring character on House of Cards for a while. Um, I remember I remember him being really good in that. He's he's a, just a great character actor. Like, the 90s, like, was were, were very good to him. <laughs> Yes. Unfortunately, um, he died in 2018 after uh, a bout with lung cancer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. R.I.P. Reggie Kathy. We also get uh, Jeff Kober, who also plays Booga. Oh, Booga. Oh, Booga. He uh, has a Daytime Emmy Award (laughs) for General Hospital. I just like I just kind of want to note that. I think that's important. Nice. Uh, but it was a great scene where where uh, Tank Girl asks uh, T Saint Ice T, you know, what did you used to be? And he just goes, "A cop." <laughs> and I think this was even before he started playing cops on TV. It was so. <laughs> um, this I I feel like canonically this is the first appearance of Finn Tutuola. Or chronologically in his in his character bio, this is the last appearance, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's true because it takes place in the future. Um, so let's work that in. Please, somebody go fit into Finn Tutola's biography on Wikipedia that following 
the apocalypse, he was turned into a kangaroo super soldier. So if, if you're doing your full Law & Order SVU like marathon watch, you have to watch Tank Girl last. Yes, it's now canon. Absolutely. I love it. I love our, our wacko canon that we've, we've produced here. This is amazing. This is great. Uh, we get a couple of songs that aren't on the soundtrack here uh, as the Rippers kind of give them, give Tank Girl and Jet Girl an opportunity to prove themselves that they're not, you know, plants by uh, water and power. Uh, but get another Bjork song called Big Time Sensuality. And also a song called Disconnected by the band Face to Face. This, that's one that I think, you know, if I could just get rid of that Bush song, I would put that song on. Yeah, that one you know? was a good one. I, I just and much like more the, in, like with the tone of the film. Yeah, it's just the the like the up tempo energy of it is is much more Tank Girl to me. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, uh, and it's at this point that I realize like the tank just kind of drives itself, you know, because like Tank Girl is hanging out on the cannon while the thing's driving around, and she's just chatting people up, and it's just uh, it's a thing. <laughs> don't don't worry about it. Just go with it. You just have to go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, we also learned that um, the Rippers don't fight with guns. They do not. No, they specifically destroy guns. It's because Johnny Prophet, who raised them, uh, taught them to fight without the corruption of guns. Right. Which is a great lesson to learn. I agree. As relevant today as it ever was. Oh, man. Mm. But uh, the mission, as it turns out, the mission to steal a convoy of uh, guns from WP uh, turns out... Not so good, because uh, they get the guns, but uh, it was all it was all a ploy. But the mission after they after the mission, you know, they all have a good time. They're all having dinner, and the Rippers decide to start to pray before dinner by dancing their hearts out. And now this is a song called "Rippers Soul" that they're dancing to. Let's go to a clip. Now, this is credited to Stomp, which I didn't realize was like Stomp, like like Luke Creswell and Steve McNichols. Like Broadway's Stomp? Yes. I guess technically off-Broadway. Off-Broadway, yeah. Yes, it plays at the Orpheum Theater. Um, Have you ever seen Stomp? I have. I saw the traveling production when it came through, you know, many years ago. Cool. I have not. Um, I used to hang around the area of that theater. Um, it's just off St. Mark's on Second Avenue. Mm-hmm. Um, it was right across from Palm Frites, the Belgian Frites place that I used to frequent before it burned down. Um, actually, that awful explosion in the East Village was right across from the Orpheum. Oh wow! And it took out Palm Frites, and they Palm Frites is reopened uh, near the IFC Center. So if you ever want to eat your weight in french fries after seeing or sorry belgian frites after seeing the most depressing movie you've ever seen um hit up the ifc and then head over to palm frites that sounds that sounds like an extremely me evening you know yeah we saw air doll okay which if you've never seen is a japanese film about a blow-up doll that comes to life it's a meditation on life and it is extremely soul crushing Hmm, i bet it is it's great Okay. I really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> so uh, just a couple quick notes about the Orpheum, because I thought they were interesting. 
Um, it also hosted the original performances of Little Shop of Horrors when it moved from off-off-Broadway to off-Broadway. Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll by Eric Bogosian, who I'm really surprised has not shown up yet. Um, and John Leguizamo's Mambo Mouth. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, you said John Leguizamo was going to make an appearance here at the end of the show. There he is. I worked him in. Um, I really kind of dig this. Um, and I think because we're coming off of Encino Man and the song Treaty. Yes. I think I was getting that same, again, that same sort of like uh, world music, uh, sultry, um, but like sound. Mm-hmm. So I, I really, I kind of got into this. I, yeah, I like it too. I, I just, knowing that it's the stomp kind of reframes it in my mind though. Yeah, a little so bit. And- now, now all I can hear is Doug Funny banging on the trash can. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry, Stomp. Man, Reaper Soul is, is, is a fun track. And I love watching all these guys dance around in their kangaroo suits. They're, they're trying their hearts out. I know. I love it. And I love that idea of like dance as prayer and just like getting into the groove. Yeah, that's a wonderful like spin on like the, the idea of like what a prayer can be. Yeah. And because you kind of get the idea from the top that the prophet is a violent man because mm. the rippers are violent. Right. But it's actually kind of the opposite. And they're freedom fighters. Yeah. Um, and want to live in peace, which we talk about a little more as we get to our next track, mm-hmm. which um, Booga and Tank Girl kind of go to bed. Right. And this we see her missile bra. That that famous missile bra, famous missile bra, which um, I will have to dig up a picture of me wearing. Oh, great! <laughs> yes, if you have the missile bra, um, and this is Veruca Salt's Aurora. Mm-hmm. Let's go to a clip. some more uh alt girl tenderness right. in contrast to the like wilderness of uh bjork and the just bottomless hole of despair that is whole mm-hmm. um this was really such a great era for female artists to be like raw and vulnerable and i i don't think we've ever come back to that fully yeah like this a, a time when like female artists had the space and sort of the the cachet to be able to pull it off and in a, in a way that like people aren't making fun of them constantly for mm-hmm. like this is just is prime time kind of sad girl time uh um and this one goes some really exciting places in the chorus um and that guitar line again reminds me like a little bit of um sort of celebrity skin era whole a little bit yeah um just a kind of boys on the radio mm-hmm. or uh heaven tonight Kind of made me think of that a little bit. Um, this is the kind of music, though, that makes me want to like lie down on the floor and be sad. <laughs> you and John Goodman. Yes, I really just want to like lie down on the floor and be sad when I hear this. And that's the thing that I feel like gets lost as you become an adult. You really stop indulging in things like lying on the floor and being sad. Or just lying on the floor in general. Yeah. Like, not even to be sad, just, just to enjoy lying flat for a minute. Yeah, but like, and, and being, maybe and, this is just something that like 
is a unique experience to young women. But man, just like listening to like a woman like screech your heart out and be so sad and so raw and so vulnerable. Like when you're 16, that means the whole world to you. When you're 40, you're just like, I should probably see a therapist. Like that, that, that feeling goes away, unfortunately. And like, fortunately, because you're able to function in society, but there are times when I like really miss that. And that, that this song reminded me a lot of that. I, I get the feeling though, because like, yeah. I still have moments where like, I'm, this is not lying down and being sad. This is when I'm driving in a car and I decide to like, just crank something up that's loud and fast and angry just so I can get it out for a minute or two. And of course, after maybe a minute or two, I start to feel really silly because like I'm driving in a car and I'm screaming at nothing. Yeah. And like, I'm a 37 year old man. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. (laughs) The emotion isn't the same. It's not as powerful. Right. Um, and you, you do, you just feel a little silly and petulant. Um, now, now you sit, now you lie around or drive around just to be nostalgic for the time when you were allowed to do that. When you were allowed to like, when your body just felt emotions differently. <laughs> and I do, I kind of miss that a little bit. I'm nostalgic Sometimes. for the time when I felt anything at all. <laughs> yeah, that's, I get that. But so, so this scene where Tank Girl and Booga... Uh, you know, after having sex, this was apparently much a much longer scene, and oh God. the oh the Stan Winston shop apparently created a full body booga because he was going to be naked on camera, oh uh, boy. including yes a foot long kangaroo penis, one hand. <laughs> I'm glad they cut that because. It's unnecessary. It On is... the other hand, that sounds like a marvelous creation of costuming and engineering, and I kind of want to see it. That this is what I'm I'm talking about when I say like we know for a fact they made that. It exists in the world somewhere. I hope someone kept it. Lost media Reddit. Where are you? Please help us find. We need Let's... to we need to build like the nineties film museum and put all of the best film artifacts from the 90s in it like you know the original ninja turtle suit or uh the the yoshi puppet from the mario brothers movie or booga's 12 inch kangaroo penis from tank (laughs) put it behind glass and let the world enjoy it it belongs in a museum yes like i don't even don't put the tank from tank girl in there put the the kangaroo, what have you in there. The people need to see. Give it to the people. Return it to the people. <laughs> it's probably sitting in Stan Winston's basement, and he's just like, I'm not letting anybody have this. This, this is, is for me. <laughs> God. But no, the studio decided that uh, the, the less time spent with the idea that Tank Girl slept with a kangaroo, the better. Oh dang. So I get it, but also like, come on, y'all. Adults. We're, we're all, watching Tank Girl. Exactly. We're all adults here. What do you what do you have to hide? But quickly, we are whisked away to the final action set piece of the film. We have three songs left to go, people. We're almost there. Uh while Jet Girl and the rest of the Rippers are going to fly into the base and do their thing, they send Tank Girl on ahead to just wreak havoc and blow things up. And we get uh, 
this wonderful action scene where she does that set to Ice T's big gun. Yeah. Let's do it. She caught you with the bad one for messing with the mad one. Told you about this girl before. You didn't listen to me as I talked. Now you're stalked by the hunter of the front who's size five and sexy. Quick to catch a body in another one next week. Huh. It doesn't matter because the girl stays strapped. She said she had enough of men and now she's looking for payback. And there's no way that she can fade her son. She walks softly, but she carries a big gun. As we said, this is Ice-T's second appearance on the OST party. Um... He played, uh, he did the song Dick Tracy mm-hmm. on our Dick Tracy episode. Honestly, Ice-T should do this more. He should write a track for SVU. Um, I would listen to a whole album of just Ice-T rapping about movies. Yeah. Ice-T goes like, to the movies. Yeah. Just imagine what he could do with like, I don't know, Terminator 2. I just imagine Ice-T just like writing rap songs about uh, just movies he's watching. You know, I mean, the T-1000 was a police officer, so he could have just put Cop Killer on the, on the Terminator 2 soundtrack. Amazing. <laughs> and he should have. And But I just want to, I mean, pick, pick a movie and, like, let him rap about it. Yeah. I mean, I want to I hear what Ice-T has to say about Encino Man. Thing. I mean, really, head to Tubi, pick a movie. Doesn't matter. Just off the top of my head, shoot him up. Oh, Starring. yeah. Clive Owen and Paul Giamatti. Hell yeah. It'd be amazing. Or The Land Before Time. Or <laughs> Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like, <laughs> pick any movie. Let him rap about it. Clearly, he knows the comic. Yeah, yeah. Because he mentioned specifically, like, how much Tank Girl hates her dad. Which is canon. But that's not, um, that's, yeah, that's nowhere in the film. Yeah. I'm... Um, I really, I really like the line, electrocute them like Con Edison. That's a great one. And he also has clearly a lot of respect for Tank Girl. As he should. This is a feminist track. Yeah, absolutely. So, God bless you, Ice-T. She walks softly but carries a big gun. You're damn right. Yes, she does. Um, Which, I don't know, I don't even know about that. She doesn't walk softly anywhere. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, sorry, I've talked a lot about that. Uh, your thoughts? No, you pretty much nailed it. Like, I, I love Ice-T's flow on this. I love just the the idea of him singing about Tank Girl and how how much she, you know, is, is an icon to women everywhere. And he, she's got a body count. And it's just. But yeah, this was almost my favorite song on the soundtrack. Came very close, but I decided, you know, went another way. But yeah, I just I can't. Uh, I don't have much more else to say about Big Gun, except I just. I love the idea of it. I just love it. I just love it. It's so good. And all of this has been a trap. Right. Um, they put Sam in the pipe. They're going to let her drown. Yeah. Remember Sam? Oh, yeah. She's back and also in trouble again. Yeah. And he's like, is it wrong to let a little girl drown? I'm, yeah. <laughs> like, super is? What kind of question is that? Yes. Yeah. Come on, Malcolm McDowell. Um, but... Why don't you explain what's going on with Kesley when she confronts him? Yeah, so she conf- she confronts Kesley, and he's got all of his fun gizmos and gadgets now. His his robot arm has like a dozen rotating razor blades, which is just ridiculous. Overkill. Positively overkill. And during the, the midst of their fight at the end of the film, she bashes him over the head 
only to discover that, oh, no, his head is a hologram. And so what James Hong has done has cut off his head and replaced it with a hologram of his own head. But somehow he's still alive. Yeah, sure. Why not? Why not? But yeah, at this point, if you're like, I don't think that's possible, like you're in the wrong movie. Like it's Tank Girl. Nothing has made sense so far. Right. Like I'm not even questioning it. I'm just like, really? Okay. That's a, that's a, that's a choice. Um, she winds up killing him by, by fittingly enough, shooting a bucket of water over his head and dumping it on him, uh, killing the hologram program instantly. And then, yeah, using one of those little blood devices to drain the blood from his body. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, Jet Girl gets to kill Sergeant Small. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and... it's kind of implied that... She, no, she didn't. Never mind. She doesn't shoot him in the dick, but she should have. Sorry. She should have. Um, and they win the day. They save Sam. Booga takes the bullets out of everybody's guns. And they bounce out in a fabulous animation, mm-hmm. flooding. They let all the water out for everyone. Um, and they do that to a cover of Let's Do It by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts featuring Paul Westerberg, The Replacements. Yeah, this is the song that takes us into the end credits. So let's go to a clip. I love this cover, but I realize how close it is to just like me first and the gimme gimme style shitty punk covers for no reason. But I mm-hmm. think this feels more genuine and more fun. I like this just fine. I mean, obviously, like, I got mad love for Paul Westerberg, also making his second appearance. Yes. Uh, back from uh, way back with Tommy Boy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very much in that that trend that we've talked about of, you know, quote-unquote, updating traditional kind of jazz tracks to yeah. a, in places, vulgar um, modern version. I don't, I, I don't love Joan Jett. I like her fine. I don't have anything against Joan Jett. It's on me. I can't explain why. I guess I kind of team Lita Ford of like of my runaways. Like Lita's my favorite. But Joan Jett just kind of irks me. So maybe I'm just taking this out on her. I don't know. Uh, Maybe. Now, I I do know that the original plan for this song was for Joan Jett to do this song with... um, uh, Greg Graffin. Greg Graffin from Bad Religion, yeah. And apparently, he, I guess, he wasn't on the record label, so they said no. Yeah, Atlantic, Atlantic Records denied like, the use of him. Yeah. They but Paul Westerberg is a perfectly fine substitute, so you know what? It wor- it works out. Yeah, so actually, um, years later, their version of Let's Do It was released uh, in 2000 on a compilation CD called Laguna Tunes from uh, Blackheart Records. Nice. So it does exist. Um, Yeah, this one... I would have preferred to have the movie version. I, I just, I want both, honestly. Like, I like this one. I'm glad it's here, but just give me both. That's, that's how I feel, really. On the soundtrack itself, just do both songs. Yeah, I wouldn't be against that, but um, this Ooh. one was. Take it, go, go your direction. What if we did the full musical number over the incredible? Like, actually show the song and dance and everything. <laughs> Yeah. 
So I, I get I get the um, the 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 need for uh, the full let's do it. But I like both versions, so I, I don't know what to say here. Okay, yeah, I'm just this one sort of. It it's, should be good for me, but I'm just I don't know. Maybe I think I'm taking a lot of my personal feelings. I think uh, it to me it's more of that that punk rock energy that I think the soundtrack needed more of. Disagree with you, right? Um, and we have uh, one more song. One final song, uh, one last sort of alt rock grunge adjacent thing that we have to talk about tonight. Uh, this is Mockingbird Girl by the band Magnificent Bastards. Let's let's do it. Um, I haven't put in my vote for what I think your favorite song is. I'm going to guess this one. Ooh, that's a solid pick, but you're definitely wrong. God damn it. And I am sorry to have to tell you this. Oh, all right. Which one was it? Don't, please don't say let's fall in love. Oh, no, no. I liked it, but that's definitely not my favorite. My favorite uh, was Devo's Girl You Want. Um, yeah, this just, I was, I'm a little surprised because I was like, yes, I finally have nailed uh, Joe's taste. Like, he's my grunge guy. But, like, with a little pop-friendly sensibility. No, I was completely wrong. Okay. <laughs> we'll try again next time. Yeah, I mean, it was close. I mean, uh, Magnificent Bastards is it's Scott Weiland's sort of side project away from Stone Temple Pilots. So, like, yeah, it's basically me in a nutshell. It's grunge-adjacent white boy rock. It's fine. <laughs> See, I really, I it's kind of... It, like accessible pop inflected grunge that appeals to me because it's more melodic. It still has a little of that like Stone Temple Pilots fuzz yeah. underneath, but um, like it, this one, this caters to my delicate feminine sensibilities. And like, I'm not saying I dislike it at all. It's just, I don't know. It's, it, it just sounds too standard to me i don't know i i feel like this the, the tank girl soundtrack needs to be more punk rock and this is not punk rock this would probably go better on like a Farrelly brothers um this sounds, really... this sounds like empire records to me okay 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 <laughs> i i won't disagree i like i said i really kind of like this one this would okay. probably be my third favorite track like after uh girl you want an army of me it's up there for me but it's not my favorite okay um, I yeah, enjoy no, I really, I kind of like this one. Um, I was surprised that it waited till the end credits because it's not, it's, it's a waste of a song. Like either fit it in the yeah. movie or don't use it in the end credits, but to end on let's fall in love and then go to this is a real, like that doesn't, that doesn't jive. No. Yeah. It doesn't make sense why they would save this for the very end, especially after, you know, we get a reprise of ice T's big gun during the end credits. So then yeah. even after that, Oh, hey, here's a song you haven't heard yet. Yeah, Doesn't like, are sense. you still here? Yeah. So. But. I think I think they, this was a case where they got the song and they didn't know where to, for it, where to put it. So. so. So what do you think? That's Tank Girl. That's Tank Girl. I like the soundtrack a lot. I, I do, too. I feel like there are some missed opportunities. You know, some of the songs in the film that should have been on the soundtrack aren't. Some songs that I think kind of bring the soundtrack down 
are. Um, but I'm not going to complain about that too much because I like too much of it. You know? And it, it mostly all fits. I mean, we've all soundtracks that we've talked about, even the ones we really love, have a couple filler tracks. Right. This one is no exception. You still have to fill an album out and you're occasionally stuck with uh, some songs on your label that you might not have otherwise wanted. But I think Courtney put together a really nice soundtrack for us. Oh, yeah. And, and Thanks, the fact Courtney. that this is, this is such a female-heavy soundtrack, we haven't gotten too many of those. So I can yeah. definitely appreciate that. Good times all around. So what are we doing next? Well, Libby, uh, the truth is out there because next time on the show, we're talking about the soundtrack to X-Files Fight the Future. Uh, that's, that's the name of the movie, right? It's the X-Files movie, everybody. Yes. <laughs> this will be exciting. Uh, delve back into one of my high school obsessions. It's something that's always fascinated me that I've never really uh, taken much time to explore. So I'm looking forward to the, getting the chance. There's a lot. David Abs- Duchovny's dumb hot. So just prepare <laughs> yourself for that. The only thing I remember about this dumb movie is hot. bees. Something the only about- thing I remember about this movie is David Duchovny being dumb hot. <laughs> Literally nothing else. Okay. I saw it opening weekend and I was just like, David Duchovny, why won't you love me? <laughs> Until next time, we will uh, see you on the internet. We have our, our poll that we're going to put up on next weekend. After the show airs, uh, you'll find that on Twitter at OST Party for as long as Twitter lets us do literally anything. But Libby, where can our listeners find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Libby Cudmore. You can find me on Instagram at record underscore Saturday or uh, Hallelujah, the Misbehaving podcast where we talk about the righteous gemstones is coming back at the end of June. New episodes debut June 18th and our first episode of season three will be out shortly thereafter. Ah, yes. Praise be to he. (laughs) What about you, Joe? (laughs) Our listeners can find me online at Cordial Wombat on Twitter and the same on Instagram. Uh, or you could find me hollering about Christmas movies all year round on the Christmas Creeps podcast, where we just wrapped up a month of uh, anime for anime. And I think we've got one more anime thing in the pipeline. But uh, <laughs> it's. Good luck with all that. Yeah, it's been a heck of a time. But uh, also, I want to point out. Uh, anybody out there who wants to join us and chat with us about anything, your best bet's probably going to be Discord, at least for me, because I'm on Discord. We have an OST party Discord, and I would love to grow that community and talk about movie soundtracks with y'all some more. So we'll put that Let's link in our show notes, and we encourage you to come and join us. Let's do. So for the OST party, I'm Joseph Wade. I'm Libby Cudmore. Buy the ticket. Take the ride.